0: Welcome to You Talk Podcast, where you talk and we listen and learn. Today, we are going to finish our interview with Betty. Here are some highlights from this episode.
1: Nothing can bring you peace but yourself. Well, they started, and I said, gentlemen, please stop and go home. I had buried them. I mean, in cement with chains with, you know, I was never going to open that tsunami again but when you need to make a good decision, especially a serious one, you gotta get rid of the emotion. Yes, you have to get rid of the emotion or you're based on emotions which change. You know, that cute guy with the cute personality and the really cool car and the pipes and what, I mean, he's not marriage material for goodness sakes, you know? And I think the worst rape, so to speak, comes about for the victim when, when they finally do talk to someone, they make light of it and accuse them, either accuse them of somehow bringing it on themselves or they rather ignore it. Be in the moment. Set out each day to be the best you, you can be. You're smarter than you give yourself credit for. You're stronger than you think you are.
0: Welcome back, Betty. In our last three episodes... We talked a bit about your life and how you had a total of nine children. Two of them were adopted, and now eight of those children have passed away. And we talked about the struggles that you experienced and how you've gotten through it. What else can you tell us about getting through those hard times?
1: I like some quotes, too, that helped me get through it. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson Mm -hmm. said, nothing can bring you peace but yourself. Oh, I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good one. And there's one I'd like to find here that I held on to because, remember, I wasn't thinking in terms of God or heaven or any of that Mm -hmm. at the time. And so this gentleman was called the great agnostic at the time. It's the way people thought of him. And that was a bad thing back in the old days, you know.
0: And an agnostic is just someone who says that There's no way of knowing whether God exists or what he's like or if there's a God. Well, you
1: don't necessarily believe in it. It's like, okay, I'm just, you know, whatever. But I came across this prior to Brian's death, and I I was so glad. And he was called, disdainfully, I might say, in his lifetime, the great agnostic.
0: Yeah, so this is Robert G. Ingersoll, and he lived back
1: in the 1800s. Mm Mm-hmm. But I thought his words were beautiful, tender, inspirational, and comforting. In essence, he was saying, I wish to take from the grave its fear, where the dead do not suffer. Death is only perfect rest. Mm. So I read that many, 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 many times. And what happened was some friend's child died, and they asked him to talk at the service and at the graveside. And being an agnostic, of course— And yet what he said was so helpful, I think, for anyone that doesn't believe in heaven or God or something, this could be most most helpful.
0: Right. So this is his famous eulogy called At a Child's Grave. Why don't you quote parts of that for us?
1: Mm -hmm. He said, and I quote, My friends, I know how vain it is to gild a grief, and yet I wish to take from every grave its fear. Here in this world, where life and death are equal kings, all should be brave enough to meet what all the dead have met. Why should we fear that which will come to all that is? We cannot tell. We do not know which is the greater blessing, life or death. We cannot say that death is not good. We do not know whether the grave is the end of life or the door of another or whether the night here is not somewhere else a dawn. Every cradle ask us whence and every coffin whither. No man standing where the horizon of life has touched a grave has any right to prophesy a future filled with pain and tears. It may be that death gives all there is of worth to life. If those we press and strain within our arms could never die, perhaps that love would wither from the earth. Maybe this common fate treads from out the paths between our hearts, the weeds of selfishness and hate. And I had rather live and love where death is king Than have eternal life where love is not. Another life is not, unless we know and love again the ones who love us here. They who stand with broken hearts around this little grave need have no fear. The larger and nobler faith in all that is and is to be tells us that death, even at its worst, is only perfect rest. We know that through the common wants of life, the needs and duties of each hour, Their grief will lessen day by day until at last this grave will be to them a place to rest and peace, almost joy. There is for them this consolation. The dead do not suffer. If they live again, their lives will surely be as good as ours. We have no fear. We are all children of the same mother, and the same fate awaits us all. We too have our religion, and it is this, help for the living and hope for the dead.
0: Mm, I like that. Very eloquent. Help for the living and hope for the dead. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes back to how you were saying that we need to focus on today and make each day the best day and love those who are around us now. So what did you think during that time when you were raising your children and they were sick
1: and they were passing away, what was your belief? I didn't have one. I grew up Southern Baptist. Boy, mm-hmm. oh, I went to church faithfully, got my little seven-year pen, you know. I went by myself. My parents didn't go. And um, I I loved it. I taught classes. I did all the stuff. But when I was about 11, 12, I started asking questions that I could never get an answer that was acceptable to me. Mm -hmm. And so I discontinued going. And while I think of myself as a good person, you know, I live the Ten Commandments. But I didn't pray, and I didn't think about God and hell. It simply, I didn't say yay or nay. It just wasn't part of my life, mm-hmm. you know. And um, that worked for me then. So to me, if it was to be, it was up to me. It was my mm-hmm. responsibility. If something needed to done, you just... Put your shoulder to the wheel and push a little harder. You just get things done. And when they died, uh, they were gone.
0: You didn't think about a heaven? Not then,
1: no. no. It was just learning to live with that loss. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting when the missionaries came to see me, and we were thinking about joining the church at that time.
0: Was this after all your children had the, passed away? Mm, or except for the
1: older ones? Yeah, it was before Blair passed away while well, we were still in California.
0: Okay, so you hadn't been religious at the time, but then you
1: started having some religious discussions. Yeah. And finally, the night came when the discussion was about eternal families. And they thought, oh, this will do it because that fits her with the loss of her children. Oh my gosh, you know, it should bring her such joy to know that she's going to see them again. Well, they started. And I said, gentlemen, please stop and go home. Wow. Wasn't the reaction they expected? No, it wasn't. And they didn't know what to do. And I said, I'm I'm not upset. I'm not, well, I was upset, but I said, I'm not angry. I'm not any, I just need some time for me right now. And I'll call you when it's okay to come back. Mm. So they left and they both told me because they became good friends later that they just couldn't figure this out. They were baffled. Richard didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and I said, it's okay, but I'm going by myself, out back. We had a pool. It was summer. I just went out and pulled up my dress, put my legs in the pool, and I sit there and I looked at it like I look at most things and I said, okay, bets inside you are really, you got hold of a jackhammer here. So you know how to get rid of the emotion, and until you get clarity You can't really make a good decision about things because you're dealing on emotion, which goes up and down and changes. Mm -hmm. So get rid of the emotion. We'll deal with that later. Put it in these little boxes. And let's get clarity. And so what is the problem? So I thought about it. And I said, aha. Now, I don't know if this is right or not, but this is what I came up with. It worked for me. I didn't want to think about if that was true, because if I did, I had buried them. I mean, in cement with chains with, you know, I was never going to open that tsunami again. It was there. Mm-hmm. If I bought into this, I had to hope again. Mm-hmm. I had to take all those chains off. I had to let those possibilities come back. And that was something I I didn't know if I wanted to do it, much less could do it.
0: And with the hope or the possibility is kind of the uncertainty and the
1: And the pain again. Yeah, all of that. And so here's how I resolved it. I said, all right, if it's true, and even if it isn't true, what a wonderful thing to believe. Mm -hmm. huh? wonderful. I'm going to see my family again. Absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So I can believe it. If it isn't true, then there is nothing after and I won't know anyway. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'll never know if it's not true. So I don't have to worry about that. Uh, there will be no pain because I'll just leave this happy stuff and, and it's going to make everything nicer. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. <laughs> that's a practical solution. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to think somewhat like a computer, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I tend to take facts and I run them through and then I get rid of the emotion and then I run it back out again. Now I have clarity and then I look at it and then I can make a decision. Mm-hmm. And I tend to do that. And I think somewhat in a linear fashion, too, I think. so.
0: I think I'm like that also. People have told me that I'm a logical kind of person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Although looking back, I think I've made some emotional decisions, or maybe, maybe I thought I was being logical, but I was using faulty logic. Uh, I don't know. I think logic probably wins out with me more often.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say it does with you.
0: Anyway, so I understand what you're saying when you say you have to take the emotion out of it in order to make a clear decision.
1: Yeah, so, uh, but that's the thing. You can train yourself to put the emotion away. Lock it up. Put it in another room. You can bring it out and deal with it when you're ready, piece by piece, so you're not overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But when you need to make a good decision, especially a serious one, you got to get rid of the emotion. Yes, you have to get rid of the emotion or you're based on emotions, which change. Right. Yeah, you know, They're very up and down and all over, and what might be right now may not be right later, and they're not based on anything.
0: Okay, so when you married your first husband, was it based
1: on emotion or logic? Both. <laughs> okay, there you go. I mean, I loved him, mm-hmm. so that was there, which was nice, but I wouldn't have married him just because I loved him. Yeah, okay. Love doesn't always stand up. But what kind of person was he? Mm -hmm. Was he the kind of father I wanted for my children? Was he a companion I wanted to spend my life with? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was so kind and so good and so brilliant and so funny and a good provider. And, I mean, he had everything going if you take the emotion out and look at him. Mm -hmm. But then you can add the love. I said, oh, yeah, this this is definitely a go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of young people fall in love with the image of someone. They meet someone, and it all looks good, and they have this picture in their head of what their life is going to be like when they're together and they're married. (laughs) And then something happens, like someone loses a job or things don't turn out the way they had planned. Maybe someone gets sick, and they realize they weren't in love with the person. They were in love with this image or idea of what their life was going to be like. And it can be a deal breaker for them.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Whereas if you just marry the personality, the character, the person, I guess even that can change sometimes. It does,
1: yeah. You but have to make sure that, and I knew this, that I knew Blaine would stand by me or with me through success. A lot of people can't handle success. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. It's very difficult. It can ruin some marriages. And a lot of people can't handle a fraction of what we went through. Mm-hmm. I knew he would always be there, always I could count on him, hmm. and he knew he could count on me, yeah, that's huge, so yeah, you know, that cute guy with the cute personality and the really cool car and yeah. the pipes and what I mean he's not marriage material right. for goodness sakes, you know, or at least not based on those qualities right, and you better think beyond you, see again, you better look at the higher road because who you're marrying isn't just for you if you two want to go off and live with the woods hallelujah yeah. but if you're going to have children mm-hmm. what kind of is that the parent you want for your child yeah. you know do you want can they look up to him will they be proud of him mm-hmm. what is he going to teach them Right. That becomes a big deal really fast. And it kids. becomes a big deal very fast. Mm-hmm. And the same with the guy picking a woman. You better not pick her because she's sexy and <laughs> and turns you on and all this kind of stuff. What is she going to show your kids? How mm-hmm. is she going to teach them about what's appropriate and how you act and how you best get along in this world and about a good education? How do you talk? You know, all of those things become important yeah. In the quality of your life and how you're going to succeed and where you're going to succeed.
0: Yeah, and that beautiful body is only going to last for so long. Oh, yeah, then everything's going
1: south. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I resemble that remark. I, uh, me too. <laughs> so, yeah, you know.
0: Okay, so what advice would you give to young people starting out? How young? <laughs> <laughs> Say a newly married couple just starting out or maybe
1: someone just graduating from college or high school. Okay. Again, I would say be in the moment. Set out each day to be the best you you can be. Don't it easily offend it. People mm-hmm. are right to their opinion. Doesn't mean it's right. Watch mm-hmm. out what you say to yourself. That's the best or the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. And if you're married and you ever get to the point where, well, if they would only do this, it would be so much better. If they would only do this, we could really be happy. Mm-hmm. Well, look first at what can you do. Mm-hmm. What are you doing or what are you not doing that you could do to make it better? Mm-hmm. I know it comes back to me again, mm-hmm. but it always is us. And maybe you need to practice giving what you think you want, mm-hmm. and see if that doesn't, in time, it usually turns things around. Right. So instead of all on them, let's start with ourselves.
0: Yeah, unless they have schizophrenia <laughs> and well, are
1: abusive or something. Yeah, like there's that. <laughs> there's three. To me, there's three reasons for divorce, mm-hmm. I guess: um, adultery, mm-hmm. addiction, mm-hmm. and abuse. And abuse. Mm-hmm. Oprah show, I saw a piece of it one day, and it was a great show. She had on, um, the discussion was around Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, And did he really, was he really... A child molester. Uh, right. And a couple of men that at the time said no when this young boy said he'd messed them and they were on trial and they asked him and he said no, because they were all in love with him. Mm-hmm. And they all believed that he loved them and that they were special and... And so they said no and they both apologized that we should have had the we should have been ready. I wish we were to have supported that young kid at the time because mm-hmm. he was right. Mm-hmm. So they talked about what they went through and Oprah made what I thought was a very profound comment. She said, "I don't believe they should call it abuse. Mm-hmm. I think they should call it seduction." I mean, there's can be brutal abuse, but generally speaking, like these boys, The predator seduces Mm -hmm. with games, with this, with that, kind of builds up slowly. Mm -hmm. He seduces. So he's grooming them. He's seducing them. And then he grooms them to be and believe what he wants them to believe.
0: Okay. So is the point of using the word seduction when you're teaching children so that they realize it's not always some big, bad, scary event by some big, bad, scary person that it might be something that sneaks into their life kind of in a nice, familiar way. Is that why you would use that word, seduction, instead of abuse?
1: I would, and I I don't know why she used it, but I think that uh, more often than not, it comes that way. They Mm -hmm. are groomed, they are seduced. Uh, I think it's the majority, Mm -hmm. and so I, I think they need to know both.
0: And yet... I like calling it abuse after the fact because whether or not it was physically violent, it, is it has emotional,
1: psychological damage. Absolutely. It certainly does. But I think it's important that they know that there is a difference. And the other one is uh, perhaps more dangerous because you don't see it coming.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Which leads to abuse. Right. You yeah. Bet.
0: yeah. I would love to do another episode on abuse. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, it seems like there are still too many people out there who are willing to cover it up and
1: look the other way. Well, they're afraid. They have been groomed and groomed and groomed to fear telling anyone.
0: Or even the parents, they don't want to ruin their reputation. They don't want to make waves. They think it will hurt their kids if it's public. And I guess I can understand that.
1: And I think the worst rape, so to speak, comes about for the victim. When rather it's parents or aunts and uncles or or whom, when they finally do talk to someone, they make light of it and accuse them, either accuse them of somehow bringing it on themselves mm-hmm. or they rather ignore it. Oh, be nice to your uncle. Oh, be nice to your grandfather. Oh, yeah. you know, whatever it was or whomever. Mm-hmm. And it's like getting raped all over again. And it's worse because this is coming from the person that should love and protect you.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. I know a family who invited that person back into their home, their family, their family celebrations,
1: because that person said they were sorry. Yes, Sorry, my foot. Yeah. Right. Right. And and I think that's probably as far as emotionally damaging, Mm -hmm. perhaps the worst part. It's when you're raped twice. I think so, too. By those you love and not protecting you. And they, they just... I can remember someone saying to someone that was a victim uh, the next morning, Oh, say hi to your dad. Uh, yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. You know? So you just sit there. The person think how they feel. And
0: it's got to be confusing if you're a child. How would, how do you deal with that conflicting information in your brain? Absolutely, it's going to mess you up, Absolutely
1: a bit. Mesh you up a lot. Yeah, maybe you can do an extension of it and cover this other yeah. area mm-hmm. because it it's uh, you terrible. need to
0: find some people that are willing to talk about it. It's tricky. Well,
1: it is, and yet back not too long ago, when everyone on Facebook was saying "Me Too," oh, when right, that yeah. when a lot of them seemed to be willing at least to come out that far and stand up. That's true. So I think it may be easier now mm-hmm. than certainly than it was a few years. Ago. Oh sure, I think so too. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Okay, let's move on to a lighter subject. What do you like to do for fun at this stage in your life?
1: Well, sometimes I like to cook. Still, <laughs> I I do enjoy gardening, and I love to read, and uh, I love sci-fi. Oh, Oh, absolutely. absolutely. What's your favorite? Um, Well, of course, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, all of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're a truckie. I am, absolutely. And I love Star Wars. Oh, my gosh. Blair saw the first one, Star Wars, when it came out, and he just loved it. I think he went back with four or five times, and he, he swore he could understand what the little robots were saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I thought how much he would have enjoyed the rest of them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a good sci-fi is, oh, yeah. That's your favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. And probably romantic comedies. Oh, yeah. I do like those if they're fun mm-hmm. and light. Uh, I tend to want to stay away from heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be taught a lesson. Right. You just want to be entertained. I don't want someone else's pain had enough to go through. I just want to smile, Mm -hmm. you know, come away smiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. So, Betty, any final words you want to leave with us before we end here?
1: Um, Only that you're smarter than you give yourself credit for. You're stronger than you think you are. There's the ability to rise to extraordinary heights and greatness, I think, within everybody. Mm -hmm. Choose the higher road. Look at things from that perspective and I think you can make life for you and everyone around you a lot better and you'll be happier. And if you mess up and you don't choose the higher road one day. Hey, next day's a new day. Yeah. Start over. We're all gonna mess up sometime. Yeah. We're all gonna fall down. And it's okay to fall down. How you get up counts. Mm. Good advice.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Betty, it's been an honor and a privilege to talk with you today, and we're so grateful that you shared all your wisdom and advice with us. (laughs) Thank you for
1: asking, and this is now known as CJ's Pod. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. By the way, podcasts are not podcasts anymore. They are pods. Yeah, if you're in the know, they're pods. They are. It's a new thing.
0: CJ's Pod. So come back and... I hope that we can talk again maybe next time about diet and nutrition and all that kind of stuff that you're
1: so knowledgeable about. So That would be fun. All right, sounds good. Thank you, CJ. Thank
0: you, Betty. Okay, since we have a little bit of time here at the end of this episode, I thought I would talk a bit about cystic fibrosis because, of course, uh, five of Betty's children died from this disease. So I went to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation website, cff.org. And the first question is, what is cystic fibrosis? Well, it is a progressive genetic disease that causes persistent lung infections and limits the ability to breathe over time. So basically, there are different proteins in your body, and this one protein called the CFTR protein becomes dysfunctional, and it becomes dysfunctional due to a mutation in a gene, and that can be hereditary. So when this protein isn't working correctly, it can't move chloride, which is a component of salt, to the cell surface. And without this chloride to attract water to the cell surface, the mucus in the various organs of your body become thick and sticky. So in the lungs, the mucus can clog the airways and trap germs like bacteria, and it can lead to infections, inflammation, respiratory failure, and other complications. So people with CF um, are told to be very careful about coming into contact with germs or sick people. Now, CF can also affect the digestive system because in the pancreas, the buildup of the mucus prevents certain enzymes from being released that can help the body absorb food and key nutrients. And this can cause malnutrition and poor growth. And in the liver, the thick mucus can block the bile duct causing liver disease And also this site says, in men, CF can affect their ability to have children. So some of the symptoms of CF, according to this website, are very salty tasting skin, persistent coughing at times with phlegm, frequent lung infections including pneumonia or bronchitis, wheezing or shortness of breath, poor growth or weight gain in spite of a good appetite frequent greasy bulky stools or difficulty with bowel movements and male infertility. So we know that back in the 1950s when Betty was raising her children that the prognosis wasn't very good for these children who had CF. So um, this site says that today tremendous advancements in specialized CF care have added years and quality of life to the lives of people with cystic fibrosis. There have been dramatic improvements from the 1950s when a child with CF rarely lived long enough to attend elementary school to today, with many living long enough to realize their dreams of attending college, pursuing careers, getting married, and having kids. The website also says that the type and severity of symptoms can vary widely from person to person, and so treatment plans are unique and cater to each individual's needs and circumstances. Some of the treatments that they list are airway clearance to help loosen and get rid of the thick mucus, inhaled medicines to open up the airways or thin the mucus, pancreatic enzyme supplements um, to improve the absorption of vital nutrients, a fitness plan to improve energy, lung function, and overall health, uh, CFTR modulators to target the underlying defect in the CFTR protein. So certain medications to help that. And they are continuing to promote research to discover and develop new CF treatments and therapies. So if you want to help out with this cause, you can visit the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation's website at cff.org. And interestingly, it says that the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation was first started by a group of parents in 1955. And at that time, there were no treatments for it. So since that time, they were able to discover the gene and protein that was responsible for cystic fibrosis. And because of that, they can develop new treatments and medications for it. They're hoping that someday they can find a lifelong cure, although right now there isn't one. So keep in mind that cystic fibrosis is not a contagious condition. It is a genetic disease. So uh, according to the website, people with CF have inherited two copies of the defective CF gene, one copy from each parent. So both parents must have at least one copy of the defective gene. People with only one copy of the defective CF gene are called carriers, but they do not have the disease. Each time two CF carriers have a child, they might have a child with CF. So your statistics are 25% or one in four that the child will have CF. 50% or one in two if the child will be a carrier but will not have CF. And then 25%, one in four, that the child will not be a carrier and will not have CF. So if both parents are a carrier, you're taking your chances according to those statistics. Now there are genetic tests to screen for the CF gene. However, there are more than 1,700 known mutations of the disease and most genetic tests only screen for the most common CF mutations. A test result could indicate a person who is a carrier of the CF gene is not a carrier. So it's not black and white there. And diagnosing cystic fibrosis is a multi-step process, but should include a newborn screening, a sweat test, a genetic or carrier test, and a clinical evaluation at a CF Foundation-accredited care center. Most of the kids... Have it are diagnosed by the age of two. Some are diagnosed as adults. A CF specialist can order a sweat test and recommend additional testing to confirm a CF diagnosis. The website gives some stats about cystic fibrosis in the United States today. More than 30,000 people are living with cystic fibrosis, that's uh, more than 70,000 worldwide, and approximately 1,000 new cases of CF are diagnosed each year more than 75% of people with CF are diagnosed by age two and more than half of the CF population is age 18 or older. So we've definitely come a long way since the 1950s and hopefully we'll continue to make strides in the research community. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to U talk podcast. By the way, we would love to have you as our guest on U talk podcast. If you would like to tell your story in a full length episode, Please email us at utalkpodcastgmail.com. At we also welcome your thoughts about this episode and any experiences you might like to share with our listeners. Just Skype an audio message to our username utalkpodcastgmail.com. Please use a good USB mic if possible. Thanks. Can't wait to hear from you.